Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. Hello there. Hi. <laughs> Both sides are working in my headphones. That's fantastic. Mine too. It's a great day then. It's going to be a great day. For we course. have a chock full show. We do. We have so much to talk about. We have some news. We have a winner to choose. We do. From our Regal Con ticket contest. Yay. And we have some great thoughts about the episode, mm-hmm. best laid plans, and we also have great input from fantastic listeners like we yourself. Do indeed. That you who are listening right now. Well, let's get on it then. So this, hold on just a second. This <laughs> is the main show for the episode entitled Best Laid Plans. The episode number is 273, so you can get to the show notes by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 273. As always, I want to thank folks that go by our support page at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support and choose how they want to support us. It takes a lot of money besides time to do what we do, and we appreciate all that you do to support us. Thank you very much. Yes, we do. And with that, I never am prepared. Here we go. We have some news. Excellent. As everyone knows, hopefully, Regal Con is coming. Yes. May 8th through the 10th, 2015, this very year. It's about four or five weeks away. In Anaheim Mm -hmm. at the Wyndham Garden Grove Hotel. Well, Wyndham Anaheim Garden Grove Hotel. Yes. It's down the street from Disneyland. Right down the street from Disneyland. It's actually a really lovely hotel. We've we've attended an event there, so it's a very nice ballroom. Indeed it is. And Jennifer Morrison was at the Fan Expo in Vancouver, Canada. Excellent. Yesterday and today. We're recording this on April 4th. Yes. Saturday. Yeah. And David Anders and Rose McIver are part of a panel for iZombie at WonderCon oh, this weekend. That would have been worth going to see. I actually enjoy that show. And I love seeing him on there. He's creepy and evil on there. You, you've you watched more of iZombie than I have. Mm-hmm. But at RegalCon, he's going to be there. No, so, so you excited. can tell him I can't wait. what you think about the show. I know. And I'm how excited. we miss him sitting on the dock talking to Megan. Ruby. Anyhow, so, but I digress. I don't think there's any other news. There's no, no Once Upon a Time tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. So, so we have one a week, week off yeah. from that. I played the wrong one. Dude. This is, this is the right one. So I had some thoughts. We just watched the episode Best Lay Plans. And I wanted to discuss those. And it'll tie into some of the emails that we get as well. So the the author, I think, writes ahead of the, the stories that are going on, of what's happening. Right. And he also gets involved with the people in those stories in a real way. And pushes them in a certain thing. For instance, when he bumped into Snow and Charming, mm-hmm. he told them, don't go to Maleficent's castle. 
go to the in infinite forest. infinite forest and you'll come upon this cabin mm-hmm. and he said trust me yeah yeah which always makes me suspicious when somebody says trust me so i think that <laughs> would be quote unquote to me magical in that you kind of know things before they are going to happen so sort of but anyway. i don't think it's i mean he made a point of saying it makes for a better story yes so the whole thing is he's deciding what's a good story and what's not a good story and he's writing it and he has to then of course manipulate it so when somebody chooses not to do what he wants then he's got to re- rewrite things is what i think we've and the reason I said it is because of the whole Regina and Robin page that mm-hmm. ended up out of the book, because I think he wrote that ahead of time, yes. assuming that it would happen because he probably influenced it. I think it'd be fascinating to see, you know, all this time we've seen these flashbacks. We've never seen him. What if the flashbacks, we've only seen the parts before or after he got there and mm-hmm. after he made the, you know, the influencing remarks or what have you. So that that would fit in nicely with your theory. I also want to say there is a lot of, even now, that the reporter or the anchor of the story isn't the story. But mm-hmm. somehow, sometimes they get involved in the story. And that's kind of what we're seeing here is that it, they actually call the you report on the story. Sure. Record but he it was, and report on yes, it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, so. he's got a God complex. He does. This particular author has a God complex. He's the one who is writing down what he whimsically feels like having happened because it makes for... It's that whole thing of why do we get some things sensationalized in the news that really aren't necessarily sensational? Right. Because it makes for a better story. Right. Well, and I don't want to get off on a thing, but it just... There's a famous quote about the news if it bleeds it leads if there's some kind of tragedy exactly that's what makes it more and that's my point because yeah, so. real life we've always talked about you know if they made a show about us it'd be hilarious well sure certain parts of our life would be hilarious right, right. but the majority of it is rather ordinary and kind of boring because we're real people we don't have magical things happen to us we don't have crazy weird things happen to us every day we have things happen to us on occasion we have some really cool things happen to us on occasion. But for the most part, you know, I think if you put a camera in most people's homes, trying to watch it would be kind of – that's why I think uh, Truman was such a great movie. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting – but it was all manipulated. It was, none right. of it was real. And yeah. that's what – well, that's, And that's a good yeah. – yeah. Because mm-hmm. sensationalism, again, manipulating somebody's life is much more interesting than what they might do for themselves. Blue is always there for August. She's really not too far. And when he's really in trouble, except when he was being questioned in that other cabin, she's there to help. And so it was nice to see her again. She appreciates Pinocchio. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think she realizes that because she was forced to allow him to go to this world by himself as a little boy, she maybe feels a little kind of guilty that, you know, and she feels like she needs to protect him. And she was his quote unquote mom. We don't know who his well, mother. I mean, I mean the the, the wife of him, Geppetto. But she gave anyhow. him she gave him life. Yeah. All right. So Regina and Gold both really spoke a, a, very hesitantly about coming back. Regina coming back to Henry. She said, "If when I get back." She didn't say if. She said when. 
She very well, purposely said when. But she said if first, and then oh, she, she did? corrected herself and said when. Oh, I don't remember I her saying back. that, but anyway. And so there's there's this kind of, and there's a very popular theory, especially for gold, that something bad is coming. Right. And so the when she was when he was talking to Bell, it was very well. I will like try to come back. To, right. So, if I can, yeah, I'll come I back can. for you. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, the whole, he seemed like he has to do something that will absolutely destroy him. That will then, you know, if he can come back, he will. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Also getting back to what we're talking about before. I'm very interested, interested to see how August fit in with the whole idea of the author or the author himself Mm -hmm. because august was very focused on getting her uh, getting emma back on track as far as being the savior Mm -hmm. in season one Mm -hmm. and it may have been just his father told him to he broke the he broke his vow to his father maybe that was all it is but it seems very similar to what the peddler was kind of doing i think part of it was that but i think more and i hate to say this about him because i really like august but I think it was a self-preservation because he knew he had to get her to break the spell so that he wouldn't turn into wood. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, could it was be very too. kind of a self-preservation thing more than anything else because he's lied to her. He took her money. He, you know, he abandoned her in the foster system. So I mean, August's motives True. have not always been pure with her. And the last thing I'll do is if you ever want to kind of a chuckle when you watch this episode again is that when the most Evil characters are going into a place to search for something. Watch where gold searches for that page. <laughs> just just take a look and see where the dark one who has all this magic and knowledge and all this that where does he look for the page? Just do do that. I'm gonna I'm not even gonna tell you. Yeah. You have to go back and watch it. Anyway, it was uh it was pretty funny. It was quite amazing. We have some excellent Emails, but actually, what I'm going to do is start with some Facebook posts first. Okay. And this is from Aubrey. So, was the peddler on the side of the road supposed to be the merchant from the beginning of Aladdin? I saw something that said that on Tumblr. Huh. It was a nice connection, though. I bet his peddler cart mm-hmm. had a lot of the same items. That you would see if you looked in Aladdin, if you watched the movie again. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I yeah. I vaguely yeah. recall that, and it does sound familiar. So that, that would be an interesting, that would make for an interesting little tidbit of information. And this is from Cindy on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. said, my first impression after tonight's episode. It started four years ago with a nagging question that kept coming from fans. Gee, I wonder who exactly wrote Henry's book. Mm-hmm. A four-year-long ongoing fan quest for the author, which led to a season-long quest for our characters to find the author. For four years, with every new character we met, the same question arose. Is he the author? Oh, I bet she's the author. August must be the author. Oh, what if it's the Catman? Oh, I, I'm <laughs> right there with you. But it wasn't. Maybe, maybe he was before. Anyway. He sees everything. The Catman does see everything. He's everywhere. Henry's book has been the centerpiece of our OUAT story. It was the heart of the truest believers' stories. I felt like I was among the truest believers. Henry's book represented hope for happy endings. But now the author's 
have been identified. I think I'm a little sad. I realize I rather like not knowing who the author was. I liked imagining how stories came to life in Henry's book. I think Henry's book has lost a bit of the mystique. Ariel is right about happy endings. They don't come from the author or the book. I I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I think the wonder and the, the thinking and the hoping about who you think a certain person is, then the reveal happens and then you're like, well, okay, yeah. it's out there now. I liken I it, honestly, to planning a wedding. Mm-hmm. You're so excited, you're so excited, you're so excited the day ha- and you go through all this pain and all this stress and all this excitement and this wonderment and you go through all this and the wedding day happens and it's over and you're like, okay, now what do I do with myself? Yeah. I've spent all yeah. this time and for those of you who are married, you probably understand what I'm talking about. And for those of you who are not, still enjoy it because it is still enjoyable. There's no question about that. You get over that feeling. Promise. You do. Right. But anyway, I, um, I, I kind of agree. And I still say that I, my theory was right. The author's not the one who writes the happy endings. Everyone writes their own happy endings. The author is supposed to record them. This one is different because he's manipulated the story. And if he hadn't done what he had done, how would the story be very different? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I still say I was absolutely a thousand percent right. Everyone writes their own happy endings. Yep. All right. Let's dive into our fantastic emails. And I'm going to turn that over to my lovely wife, Colleen. You're going to. Oh, all righty then. Okay. Uh, the first one is from Alina. They reference Walt, Walt mm-hmm. Disney. Damn that other author forsaken his duty, changing the stories just for a better story. But now he's out of the book. Really well-written episode. That speech about the author's recording great stories, August told was incredibly poignant. Yep. So, True. I loved it, too. I know you do. You love August's monologues. I do. And Jefferson's. <clears throat> yes. Snow said, if we keep this up, we're no different than gold. It's interesting how Ariel previously said villains go about getting their happy endings in the wrong way. So I wonder what will happen to the Charmings if they keep lying. Are they themselves authoring their destiny down a dark path? But now Emma knows it's the lying, though, that can diverge someone from their current path. And I would agree that's true. I think it was interesting that... The Charmings got their happy ending, even with all the lies and secrets along the way. So, Is that possibly because, and here's where I'm kind of thinking this may be, we may see this is good point. We may see this is how the author chose to write things. Hmm. They were kind to him. They helped him out. Right. And they gave him the whiskey. So they influenced the influencer. Of the story. In a sense, I think that's yeah. what's going to happen is we're going to see if they start doing flashbacks of how the author came up with these endings or how he came up with these stories. Mm-hmm. Whoever was nice to him got a happy ending. Whoever was not, didn't. So I wonder if he bumped into Regina, if he Absolutely. bumped into Gold, if he bumped into these other characters and, and how and that turned out. Him, so I'm very and interested And they treated in him that. badly or didn't do what he thought they should. And therefore, he changed their story out mm. of spite. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, back to the email. My theory is Regina and Emma are going to leave Storybrooke to save Robin and find Lily in the process. Also think Zelina has made Marion in disguise. That is definitely a possibility for sure. Yeah, that's certainly a possibility. Because they could leave, although Regina would have no power and neither would Emma outside of Storybrooke. 
Uh, looks like there's now a loophole for Snow and Charming in regards to earning forgiveness for taking away Maleficent's daughter. If the author manipulated the story and forced the apprentice into sending Lily to another realm, then maybe he did the same to Snow and Charming. Let's think about that for a minute. Hmm. It's that's what happened. Their daughter had to be sent away. Right. And magic always comes with a price. True. Does it not? So, hmm. Yeah, that that is really. So then they both ended up in the same same boat realm, yeah. same boat, same realm, same everything. Hmm. So uh, Lena continues. Maybe Snow and Charming weren't truly in control of their actions and were at the mercy of the author. Did the author believe having these expectant parents kidnap another woman's child for the sake of saving their own would be the better story to tell? Whatever happened when all was said and done, Snow and Charming suffered the same fate as Maleficent because they also lost their baby girl. I guess that falls under the category of magic has a price. I hope the author cannot find the quill because then he can't rewrite anyone's story or steal anyone's happy ending. He's done more than enough damage already. I would agree with you. And like I said, I think the author's the villain. Not necessarily these yahoos that we're dealing with. It's the author. He's the true villain. And I, it comes back to what we just said. If he felt somebody was nice, then he gave them a quote-unquote happy ending, so to speak. But if they weren't, then he gave him a, a, a villainous one, right? Right. I just don't. The thing I don't like, though, is <clears throat> now the author is known, and so what people could say is, "Well, I never really wanted to do that. That's what the author wrote me to do." So it's blame shifting. Well, in a sense, it's yeah. Gonna, there's going to be a conversation with somebody, and the, even Snow and Charming when they did that spell with the apprentice and they said you never told us that we didn't know that so i mean there's a lot of stuff how long back has this author been writing right and the reason i ask that is because has he been writing since rumple since cora has he been writing the whole entire time well okay here's even a bigger question is once he was locked in that book did other authors take over for him because if august mentioned walt and if that means Walt Disney, right. then did others take over while he was trapped? Right. There was another, uh, there's another <clears throat> view of that in one of the emails. But anyway, sure. it's just sure, sure. I'm wondering if the writing kept going. But there's a lot of empty books in that room. There's in the an awful lot of empty books. Sorcerer's Mansion there mm-hmm. in that secret yeah. room. So yeah. yeah. All right. That was Alina's email. Thank you, Alina, for that. Yes. This next one is from Chris Tipton. The trend continues every episode, just continues to improve. I would maybe have to say this might be my favorite episode yet. Top five at least. On to my points. Cruella and Regina snark battling. We seriously need more of this. Cruella is one of the few characters who can rival Regina with sass. That is true. I do actually really like uh, Cruella quite a bit. It was a relief to hear Maleficent say that Cruella and Ursula were just a means to an end, since that's what we've been saying all season. It was also cool to finally see how they got to our world. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. This apprentice is immensely powerful. He can just create portals on command. I'm really starting to think he's a sorcerer masquerading as an apprentice. Side note, I agree. I've always said that. That That's not really the apprentice. It's actually the sorcerer himself. Mm -hmm. If he isn't, holy crap, how powerful is the sorcerer? And that is very true. So about Emma's darkness, the apprentice said, if it sees the light of day on distant shore, that must be the loophole for Emma to go dark in Storybrooke. I also really want to know what that thing was he had in his hand. He used it to banish the author and perform the spell. Is it some kind of wand? I didn't, 
I don't, it might have been a wand, but it seemed like he just pulled an imaginary quill out of thin air and signed away the, you know, the sentence is what I, you know, his sentence for, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or maybe he grabbed the, I, I don't know. No, no, it was a separate, separate one item. It could have been a wand, but just like you said, that's what I was thinking. He signed <clears throat> the banishment yeah. warrant yeah. and then it made yeah. it happen. Decree. So, yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, my favorite moment of the episode was when The Apprentice said what I've been screaming all season, that Emma is just like any human with free will and the potential for good and evil. I almost shouted when he said that. You and me both. Um, Let's see what we have here. Oh, uh, Rumpel. He's such a creep sitting there holding Belle's hand, talking to her while she's asleep. He's seriously delusional to think there's any chance she would go back to him. So it would seem he was on to Regina and he was just looking for the right time to expose her. I do wonder how he could tell so easily it was rubbish, since as far as I can remember, he's barely seen the book. Rumble has to have Robin, whatever, what else could he have that much control over Regina? Jane Espenson is such an amazing writer. Rumple's line, pain fades unless you feed it, and this could be the meal you really don't want, was incredible and poignant. Nice to finally see what we all figured, Lily is Maleficent's child. I guess Lily can't be Cruella like I theorized. Well, hold on just a second. I want to go back to when we were talking about the author and the apprentice for a mm-hmm, second. Mm-hmm. It looks like the, well, what's interesting is the author was so dangerous that they trapped him in the book right. behind the door, right. kind of like Rumpel was so dangerous. Right. They had to put him in this magical cell yeah. and keep him locked up. Right. So it's very similar right. to the two. Well, here's the thing though. Rumpel had the power to get himself out of there if he wanted. Right. Did the author? Okay. Did the author? I. That's a good question. I think the author talked to, communicated somehow with August because maybe, he yeah. could communicate, and yeah. August did have the book. Yeah. And so maybe he asked August to do certain. I don't know. It, I just it'll be real interesting to see how that plays out. So and to, to go further, Rumpel was doing a little writing. <laughs> With the squid ink on that that's my parchment. Point. That's my point. He could have gotten himself out and he chose not to. So, so yeah. does the author, it was the author in the same predicament. Since he had to be locked away, he was so dangerous he had to be locked away. Did he, even even though he was locked away, have the ability to get himself out? Or influence something. But yeah, yeah. Very good. Yep. Right. Yep. Sorry. Um, all right. Uh, Snow and Charming. See. Yeah. No, I know that. I just okay. didn't know if you wanted to talk about some of the other points in there. Because there were some really good things. I mean... Rumple, how long was he on to Regina? I think he was kind of thinking she wasn't fully on the up and up with them way back. And he's been biding his time waiting for the moment we can, when he could expose her. So I would agree with that. Um, the other thing was... Uh, Robin is the prize. Because even Rumple mentioned that her heart was broken. She's lost love again. And so she's right. really... So what does he have that's going to make her do his bidding for all eternity? Huh. I, I don't know. That's going to be real interesting. I'm I'm racking my brain trying to think of what... Maybe a promise to make Marion go away. I don't know. I'm not. I think it's some object, and it's going to be something that we we've probably seen before, mm-hmm. and that she has, you know, lost somehow. I don't know. It's going to be real interesting to see what that could possibly be. So anyway, all right, back to the email. Snow and Charming. Charming just kept digging himself a deeper hole. The idea to destroy the page was ridiculous, and he just kept lying to everyone, even Henry. 
I'm very proud of Snow. She had great character development, and it was awesome when she finally stood up to Charming and told him that they had to do the right thing and come clean. It's always better to tell the truth. Well done, Snow. Thank you. Agreed a thousand percent. I cannot... The whole fact that Charming was thinking, oh, let's destroy the page, reminded me of season one David when we didn't like him when he was kind of, you know, not very strong. And anyway, so yeah, I agree wholeheartedly that he just kept digging a deeper hole. And I was proud of the fact that they kind of got themselves back on track. And again, that just proves the point. Free choice. They had the opportunity to continue down the evil path and they corrected themselves. Which should have been a clue to them that if they had done the same thing with Emma, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now. Well, that's what's nice about not necessarily couples, but I think friends or people that are more than just you. Right. Is sometimes it takes someone else that's not you to say, you know, that's not a good idea what you're doing. Right. And it's hard and it's harsh and nobody wants to hear that. But that's really what happened. Yeah. Is Mary Margaret woke up. And Storybrooke and said, we're lying again. Yeah. We, we need yeah. to stop this. And basically, that's kind of the conversation that Snow had with Charming way back in the yeah. nursery with the uni- Unicorn Mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just she goes, we're not, we're not heroes anymore. We're, we're too far gone. And he goes, I don't think so. She says, is there any – I don't think we can be redeemed. And he says, I think we can. Yeah. We need to be better than we are, and we need to... Right. So, Yep, I totally agree. Totally agree. And again, they self-corrected, which was good because then they weren't influenced by somebody else. They did it themselves. They made the choice. Again, we all write our own stories. We all write our own stories. I watched a look on David and Mary Margaret's face at the... Finally, at the... setting the record straight with Emma Mm -hmm. and it was heartbreaking and it was kind of like when you catch a teenager in a lie or doing something downcast looking down crying and it was really they they did the right thing and it was hard you know um, charming said we need to do the hard road take the hard way right and snow said it's not going to be easy, but we need to tell Emma the truth. Right. So, yep. yeah. All right. Back to the email. Sorry we keep interrupting, but Emma, the, Malef- the irony of Maleficent having a unicorn for a best friend since a unicorn had a hand or a horn in losing her child. Seeing Abby Ross again was very cool. She's amazing as young Emma. I'm confused how Charming took seeing Emma as a baby meant she would be good. Maybe it was symbolic that she would have be pure and good like a baby her whole life. It was also ironic that Emma said no one gets to decide who she was, since that's basically what her parents tried to do in the flashback. It seems she didn't even get mad at what they did, just that they lied to her. <clears throat> she didn't really talk about what she was mad about. Right. We just assume that it's because they lied to her. It could potentially be that her whole life she felt like she was in control and that she made the choices she made and that she is who she is because of what she decided to do. And now that they've told her what they did, she feels like she's not even in control of her own person. You know what I mean? Her Mm. own fate, her own destiny, anything. And that may be what's upsetting her. It could just be that they lied to her. It's really hard to tell at this point. But let's be realistic. She wasn't pure and good and without fault, without blame, without being evil. Because she stole and she, true, you know, she lied and she was, she wasn't good her whole life. So, 
once she realizes that, maybe she'll get over it. I don't know. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Sorry. What snowing did to Maleficent Part 2. It made sense that Maleficent's child came from an egg. It reminded me of the season one episode, Dreamy. My theory that Stefan is the dad is dead. I'd question whether... Uh, so apparently... Stefan is not the father. We, we pretty much kind of have that idea. Yeah, He's yeah. probably not the father. Uh, <clears throat> I'd question whether the, what they did to her would warrant all the buildup and wow, did it ever. It was absolutely despicable what they did to Maleficent. Whether they thought they could return the child or not, it was still awful. I completely sympathize with Maleficent now. While revenge is not the way, I can totally see why she's so hellbent on getting it. If Lily absorbed all that evil, why was she seemingly so good last half season? I I <clears throat> humbly beg to differ. <clears throat> Lily was not good. No. She's breaking into houses, shoplifting. She had a shoplifting Ran class. Away. Oh, I know. Ran away. Ran away. She taught Emma how to shoplift. Right. And so actually her influence influenced Emma in her card stealing ways and all that. She stole from her father. Mm -hmm. She lied about who he was. Right. She lied about everything. She was not a good little girl. Now, she she wasn't serial killer or something awful that we can see. But in her age, doing what she was doing. She just she was not a good little girl. Yeah, that's the point. Yep. Okay. The authors reveal. I was surprised they revealed this in this episode. I honestly thought we wouldn't get that till the season finale, but I loved it nonetheless. It was amazing when August referenced Walt Disney. So technically, a lot of theories were right. Walt Disney was an author. I like the idea that all authors until this one were just recorders, and this one found a way to tamper with things. This gives me an idea. The author seems to like to do bad things to stories to make them more interesting. What if page 23 is what actually happened to Robin and Regina, but the author tampered with it and made Regina run away and become bitter, causing her to become the evil queen? He would think it makes for a better story than two people just going off and falling in love. So I guess that's my page three theory, or 23 theory. This was an amazingly epic episode. I don't like giving these, but I have to for this one. 10 out of 10 wooden man babies. Yep. So it, it is very interesting. And the question is, yeah, is that what really happened with Robin and Regina or what would have happened if Regina hadn't made a decision? So, again, the author has the ability to influence, but that doesn't mean he forces anybody to do anything. He just has the ability to influence. Right. Here's... Here's the thing. If Snow and Charming had ignored him and gone towards Maleficent's castle, what would have happened? They probably would have walked right on past it, gone to their home, and everything would have been Mm hunky-dory. Right? Right. But because they listened to him, that's what happened. And that influenced the rest of the story. And And it's funny because I don't think he's influencing every decision. He finds these key uh, moments or points in time to influence and once he influences it it kind of takes it down a whole different path and then if he needs to influence again that may be where he's you know stepping in i wonder how many people or characters like in august maybe a tink i don't know that the author has used along this whole Uh thing to get people to do certain things i wonder well let's talk about that robin and regina scene what would have happened if that had been how things had gone there would be no Emma in this world. There'd be no right. Henry. Yeah. There'd be no anything, right? And drama is forged upon bad decisions. Yeah. The right, perfect decision right. is not 
drama. Regina and Robin being together would have created a whole different mess because the king would have still been around. Would Regina have then just turned around and tried to kill him that way? Kill him for that? Robin probably would not have allowed it. Robin would have influenced her. Robin would have influenced her and she would not necessarily have gone evil. Right. Right? Wow. Theoretically. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about that, it's that whole point of he found a way to manipulate. And maybe he thought that that would, maybe the author realized that the two of them having an illicit affair would make for a good story. But because Regina stopped and said, "Eh, not happening. And ran the other direction mm-hmm. and didn't follow through with what he anticipated. Because again, Tink went to her and there's so many so many yeah. pieces. We there's a point where the author influence, we don't know where that is. Right? We right. just don't know where that is. And it'd be it is we will get a conversation, I'm almost certain. And more importantly, maybe just maybe. I'm just gonna spitball this here because this is more likely to be the reality of what happened. That was never going to happen. He knew it was never going to happen. He never influenced it to not happen. Regina's decision, he already knew that was going to be the case. I think he just created something that he knew would prompt her to want to find the author. Mm-hmm. And why did he want her to find the author? And get him out. To let him go. He right. shouldn't be, he, they should never have let him out. Right. He should have stayed in there. Right. Charming is probably actually right. They should have destroyed the page and that would have been a whole different ballgame. Yeah. But they let him out, which is, again, again, making for an interesting story. Because if the page had been destroyed and the author had been destroyed. And again, if Snow wouldn't have done the right thing years after they did the wrong thing, Emma would not have done that. Right. So. Right. Oh, boy. Lots of lots of great stuff. Thanks so much for that email, Chris Tipton. This is from Chris. I'll take this. Okay, you're welcome to do so. This is from Chris. Hey, guys, what if a man named Walt is really Walt from Lost? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Cue the suspenseful music. (laughs) I understand why they couldn't have done it, because we'd see who the author was a mile away. But I would have loved if the author had been someone like J.K. Rowling, Stephen King, Stanley, or George Lucas. Hey, we know Lucas is quite comfortable editing and changing his stories already. Smiley face. (laughs) I get it. Mm-hmm. What are Harry Potter and Marvel comics, if not the modern day fairy tales and mythology? And Stephen King has already appeared as himself in the Dark Tower series, which was a big influence on Lost. Just a bit of dream casting. Keep up the great work and rumple still skin forever, dearies. Thank you very much. And it's a that's a fascinating point. And yeah. getting back to Jefferson's monologue about stories, they are reflect reality. So we can kind of see this all the way back. Writers mm-hmm. are very important. Mm-hmm. And Jane Espenson and her great group of writers, this incredible work yeah. that they do. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's not. It's not because you have to keep stories straight. You have to try not to put any loopholes or plot holes in there at all. You've got to fill them up if you if you do manage to put them in on accident. you got to backtrack and fill them in so it's kind of one of those things it makes for a really it's very difficult to do thank you chris this is not chris tipton so thank you chris it's a different chris okay. it is a different chris <clears throat> oh are you wanting me to go back to this next email yes ma'am okay well this one is from trace 
Hi, Trace. <laughs> Hi, Colleen and Jeff. First, OMG, Cindy wrote in last week with her theory about the Regina book page and Cora being involved. Loved it. What a great theory and had to point that out. That was a very interesting theory, and I would yep. agree. I yelled at Snow and Charming more times this episode than I can count. So many decisions were made that made no sense. However, I think we learned how they got to be the Charmings, by never wanting to be the kind of people that would do such a thing to others, much less a child. Thank God they realized they were on the same path again and redirected and told Emma the truth. Snow said, heroes do what's right, not what's easy. That's so true. I wanted to see the scene when they had to go back and tell her the baby was gone. How sad. Uh, Maleficent. Yeah. Or Trace is referring to Snow and Charming were the villains here, right? In a sense, they did. Yeah. They, what they did was villainous. Yeah. It was not a hero's behavior. There was a, a line that <clears throat> Snow said in interpreting what they did. It said, "We were brave, not kind, right. in what we did." Right. And then later, right after she said, "We were selfish." Yeah. And when you're in that moment. You know, and that's why I talked about so much that the mother and child and, and what a mother would do to, quote unquote, ensure that they won't turn out bad. Didn't Blue tell Pinocchio to be brave, kind, and selfless? Brave, true, and selfless? Either way Something you look like at that. it, yeah. that is a hero. That's what a hero is. Right. Brave, kind, true, selfless. That's mm-hmm. what a hero does. Yep. So, <clears throat> uh, let me continue the email. Not sure because if the author manipulated the story, then who's truly the villain? The apprentice clearly said to the author, how could you force me to do that to that child? So where was the free will there? The true author records the story, so we make our own choices and destiny. But in this case, the author is the villain for taking that away. Nice call, Colleen. And yes, thank you. You're very welcome. Selfless, br- brave, and true. Selfless, brave, Amen. and true. Bottom line is yeah. it's the same right. Three things. This puts the heroes and villains on the same side. If these stories were truly embellished or changed, then we really don't know which stories are true and who is good or evil and who and could change the entire series and stories we've seen thus far. Like Robin and Regina. If Robin meets Regina or if Regina meets Robin in the pub and runs off with him, that would change everything as we know it. Yep. What if Rumpel never meets the seer? Mm. How interesting could this get trying to find out what really happened in all these stories and what was manipulated? Time for the good guys and bad guys to go get that author together. I say the only way this plays out for them is to all realize that they have to team up to get their happy endings. It still doesn't excuse the Charmings, though, for how they've been acting. All the lying to Emma and then yelling at Henry. Jeez, chill out, Grandpa. Yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah, excellent, excellent points. Excellent points. Way to go, Uncers. Lily is the lost child like we all thought. Now who's the daddy? I still say it's a sorcerer. What do you all think? I love that Regina and Henry were able to read each other and pull off the page switch. I also still think that Rumpel is up to something we all don't know, especially with his speech to Belle. Sleeping again, of course. I think he knows Regina is playing both sides and is using that somehow. He needs her or is protecting her. Otherwise, she'd be a bug right now. His speech to Belle was intriguing and foreshadowy. Is that a word? Especially with him holding his heart. I hope Henry being the truest believer is a key to this whole story, perhaps even an author someday. Nice shout out to Walt. Excellent, excellent points. And I would agree that, you know, is a sorcerer the daddy? Maybe. Hmm. Be interesting. Yeah. I'm very curious who the father may be. That would be a very interesting, interesting thing to find we, out. We always sound like a Maury Povich show on this podcast. <laughs> you are not, Who's the daddy? You are not the father. Right. You are not the father. <laughs> We know it's not charming. He doesn't even look like me. Look at his <laughs> eyes. Yeah, yeah. We know it's not Rumple. 
We know it's not Stefan. <laughs> I don't watch Mori Povich, but anyway, I've yeah. seen it flipping by. Anyway. Anyway. Wow. Um, and I agree that Rumpel is still up to something based on that speech to Bell. We don't know what it is. And is he protecting Regina? I think kind of he is. I think he knows that, again, he was using Maleficent and Ursula and Cruella to get back into Storybrooke. And he knows he needs them for what he needs to do. But I think he's playing them as well. And I think he is very much protecting Regina. Anyway. Um, and Henry being the truest believer, maybe being a key and an author, that'd be an interesting point. We've kind of talked about that a long time ago. Maybe Henry's the author, you know, maybe he'll become one. I think he would be the only one that they would really trust. Yeah. To do it right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Things that made me go, hmm, Maleficent is the mistress of all evil. Really? Because no one would have taken that egg away from me. I'll tell you that. Put Charming to sleep or poof the egg somewhere else. I think Rumpel's going to get Robin to use against Regina. But really, he has Henry right there, which to me is proof he has other motive and won't hurt his grandson. Maybe deep down he believes he can get his happy ending if he helps others get theirs. I'm trying to see the positive in Rump here. Emma should practice harder because if a curtain rod can take down the savior, then everyone is in trouble. <laughs> right. Okay, I gotta stop right there because I saw that again. I was like, really? They didn't, she didn't like see that coming? I mean, even as it was flinging on her, she shouldn't have been able to bleep and poof it away. Um, the use and not use of magic confuses me sometimes. Clearly, August told them he was trapped in the book because he was bad, being the author, of course. So let's just let him out and see what happens. How about a protection spell in the doorway? Right. How about you let him out but clap him in irons? Yeah. Just to make sure, because he was put in there, because he didn't do things he was supposed to do. Heroes Hello. trust people, because they're good. Yep, that's yep. why heroes sometimes have problems. Yep. Can't wait to see where they go with the story, and crossing my fingers for the Cruella and Will backstories. I think Will is involved with the author, and that's his tie-in. Plus, mm. he did steal the looking glass from Maleficent. Big love and happy Easter to all. Trace, and by the way, that is an excellent point. He stole the looking glass that got him to Wonderland. But... What else did he bring back with him from Wonderland right. that we could potentially see here? Yep. And was he influenced by the author to do all those things? It will be real interesting to see. Thank you much, Trace, Thank for you. that. All right. You want me to keep going? Yes, ma'am. Okay. From Brad, put on some puppy mittens and warm up with some brandy. That's oh so nutmeggy because it's time for things I learned in the episode, best laid plans. I actually heard Brad in my head when I was reading that. So, um, <laughs> and I got to say, it's so cold. If I had known it was so cold, I would have grabbed two more puppies and made mittens. That just made me laugh and yet at the same time cringe because, well, I love my baby dog. Yep. I didn't want her doing that. Anyway, no. all right. Ten things that Brad learned in this episode. Number one, don't go grabbing unicorns. Oops. Okay. I heard that in my head. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to pay. Don't go TLC. grabbing yeah. unicorns. Right. I'm sorry. It's just going to always be like that. Uh, number two, if Emma ever writes a book, she'll never have to worry about distribution costs. True. <laughs> <Okey -dokey>. Right. <laughs> number three, there will be no unsaving of the Savior on Henry's watch. Never. That's right. Never. Don't go up against Henry when... Emma's on the line. Mm -hmm. Number four, add detect magic to the list of capabilities that a smartphone can do. Oh, if only that were so true. Yeah, my well, smartphone hasn't learned that yet, so I need to figure out how to make my smartphone. There's not an app yet for that. There is not. 
Number five, every mom dreams of owning Maleficent's sleepy time staff. Oh. <laughs> it's not for just dogs, moms. too. I was saying, it's not oh, just my moms. gosh. It's not just moms, by the way. 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so nice. Right. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I just think that's funny. Number six, apparently witches also have cold feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And we thought it was just uh, yeah. just feet. Just we'll feet. stick with feet. We'll stick with feet. Yeah. Number seven, being trapped in a book can leave you feeling a bit parched. And you can't reach your nutmeggy brandy. Uh, apparently. What a mess. What a yeah, what a what a yeah, less room than Rumpel had in his cell. So so here are things we know about being trapped in things. Uh being trapped in a lamp will give you such a crick in the neck. Right. And See? being trapped in a book can leave you feeling a bit parched. Yeah. All that paper in there, I guess. Right. <laughs> Number eight. There's a good possibility that baby Lily's first words were nanu, nanu. <laughs> Could be with that egg and the transporting and all that. <laughs> yes, sir. I do love that because if you if you don't know what that is, it's a reference to Mork and Mindy. Go look it up. If her father was named Orson, oh boy, <laughs> that would have been the best. We still don't know who her father is, so That's would right. that be cool if it was, if his name was Orson? We we have just lost many people that listen to this podcast. Orson, what? huh? Nanu, what the heck? Google, Google, more Google young, young people. Yeah, Google. go go YouTube it. Seriously. Number nine, Hallmark doesn't make a. We're so sorry we took your baby. Wow, let me try that again. Hallmark doesn't make a. We're so sorry we took your baby, made it evil, and sent it away to another land. Card. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know that edible arrangements would send something for that reason either. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, and FTD florist is not either. No. They don't have a bouquet for that. Nope. <laughs> Number 10, and this one I'm going to try not to laugh. Maleficent may have had a one-night stand with Smaug. <laughs> <laughs> you pronounce it pretty well. I'm very, very impressed. I find that so hilarious. No <laughs> 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 one killed me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brad. Huh. I love it. Keep them coming. So these are Brad's observations. Lily's happy ending. In a way, Emma took Lily's happy ending from her, as well as broke her promise to remain friends with her no matter what. Once she learns this truth, I feel she will be pretty upset. I have a feeling this reunion will not include hugs and humorous stories. Yeah, it was kind of like how we thought that Regina and Maleficent were going to have this friction but there was no friction at all. She goes, no. So you're not mad I trapped you? In- no, 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 no. There are far worse crimes right. that need to be dealt with. Like, oh, what I think okay. will be interesting is if they can find Lily, bring her back to Storybrooke, how are they going to convince her she's actually the daughter of Maleficent? Mm-hmm. Wow. And what's that going to do? Well, Maleficent may have a scar or some kind of matching something, too. Right. So, <clears throat> What makes a villain? What would happen if the author didn't manipulate the story? Would Rumpel have still spoken with the seer? What if Cora didn't kill Daniel? Regina never, Regina never learned magic. Zelina was never abandoned. Or Pan never left his son. Hmm. Did the author take away their chance for happy ending by creating a better story? Or did he only provide reasons for what they would inevitably become? Ultimately, we are who we are because of decisions we've made. But what happens when you've been manipulated into those decisions? Can you fault someone that has been led and influenced to be a villain? If the lives between a hero and villain were switched, what would the outcome be this, 
would the outcome be the same? Are we all one decision away from becoming a villain? And could a second chance alter the course of history for the better? Fantastic questions. I mean, we kind of already hit a little bit on that. What would happen if they didn't, if the author hadn't manipulated the story? Would things have been the same they are now? And if you listen to Killian, that's, you are one bad decision away. Absolutely. From going dark. <clears throat> and it's always a constant battle. It creeps up on you, he said. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep it at bay? And I think it's involved in emotion, too, and not sure. reason. So. Sure. And the question, can you fault someone that has been led and influenced by a, to be a villain? We've, uh, we've said this from day one, practically. We didn't like the villains and what they did, but we understood why they did what they did. So can you really fault them for being led? And, and, and especially when we realized that it was Cora that manipulated Regina into being a villain. Right. Right? We didn't like Cora after that. True. You know what I'm saying? We understood why Regina did what she did. Did we did we approve of it? Did we think it was a good idea? No. But we understood it, and we it gave us a more sympathetic uh, approach mm-hmm. to how we saw her. So, I mean, same thing with Rumpel. The only one I didn't do feel that with was Pan. Right. The- and even Zelina to a certain extent, because Zelina's was just whiny, whiny. Rah, rah, rah. But Pan was the one I didn't feel any sim- empathy towards because he didn't. How was he manipulated? Well. Who manipulated him? Did the author? That's, that's what I'm saying. How yeah. long has he... How long There's has a lot this, of unanswered questions absolutely. about How long these... has this author been the author? So. Right. Anyway, that's my thinking. And by the way, I just realized, I think they're going to name this author Charles. Okay. Charles Perrault wrote a lot of the stories. They oh, originally okay. originated with him. You know what I mean? Right. Um, okay, theories. Zelina. This is an old theory, but I feel it's worth resurrecting. We all want Robin back, but the only way that will happen is if something happens to Marion. What I would really like to see is Zelina posing as Marion in attempts to rob Regina of her happy ending. We know she has this ability, as we saw when she impersonated the wizard. This is my last chance to see if this theory holds up or simply melts into a puddle of water. Okay, the author. If being the author is a job, who will take up the mantle? The three likely candidates are, number one, Henry. This choice is obvious and makes the most sense. It would bring the story full circle. Number two, Emma. If she has the ability to give the villains their happy ending, does this mean she will take up the position? Maybe she is just special and has the ability to alter events in Storybrooke because she is the savior. Number three, August. This wooden man-child has a gift for telling a good story like no other. I'm captivated any time he gives us more information on the past. This is more of a wish than an actual possibility, though. So... Good question. I mean, who's going to be the next author? Is there going to be a next author? I would assume so. They're going to have to get rid of this one, and then they'll have to have a new one take up that position. Who's going to, Who's it going to be? I would say Henry is the most likely choice, only because he's the one who's going to tell the real story the way it really happened. It, he's going to do the right thing and record, not manipulate the stories. Well, first they're going to have to get the sorcerer... <clears throat> There, yeah, and they'll have to get the apprentice out of that right. hat, right? Of my money is like yours. the The apprentice is the sorcerer, right? So once they get out one, they'll get out both, and that this is the way I think it's going to happen. They will appoint a new author mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we've never met, probably. But then that author will say, "I cannot accept," and huh. hand the quill to Henry. Maybe say he's the one, right, that can write the story the best. 
yeah, or maybe. whatever. And that's what I think is going to happen. That'd be cool. And that'll be at the end, hopefully. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, burning questions. What does Gold have that will make Regina do his bidding forever? Has he captured or imprisoned Robin while being out of Storybrooke for six months? Who and where is the sorcerer? And I would agree. I mean, does he have Robin? Does he? He has something. Something. I don't know if it's a person or if it's an object. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. <clears throat> and like Brad, I want to know who is the sorcerer? Is it the apprentice or is there really another sorcerer? The real sorcerer? Anyway. Thank you very much, Thank Brad, you, Brad, for that. Yep. We have voicemails. We do? Yes. Wow, the first one's all second half of the season. Yes, indeed. That's awesome. So, what we're going to do is we will play the voicemails. There's two of them. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's three, but we'll play the first two. Then we'll come on, we'll comment, then we'll play the next one. Okay. So, here we go. Well, hello, Jeff and Colleen. This is Tyler. I know it's been a while, but I've just been a busy person. Um, so a couple things I had thoughts on regarding both the new episode and the one before it. Just was too busy leading up to Comic-Con here in Seattle to uh, actually have time to flesh out those thoughts. Um, so first regarding that episode, um, with the virtual backstory and the um, Poseidon, um, you know, not really wanting singing to be a a happy thing anymore. Um, That's pretty much taken straight out of The Little Mermaid 3, the prequel to The Little Mermaid. Um, uh, While it's not a great film, uh, it pretty much took this straight from it, because in that film, uh, it actually shows a point where um, you see Ariel's mom and Ariel and all of her sisters as little, little kids, and King Triton, all of them up on the surface, uh, singing and, you know, making music and having fun. And just like in Once Upon a Time, uh, and I believe her name was Athena, um, a pirate ship comes by and King Triton sees this and tells everyone, you know, run, run, you know, dive deep, get away from these guys. Well, it just so happens that um, it was also on their anniversary, and King Triton had given her a music box. She went trying to save the music box, and that is what caused the pirates to end up killing her. Uh, and that then caused him to um, make it illegal to uh, p- perform music in the kingdom of Atlantica. So that was an interesting thing there. Um, and that was also kind of what made it so that, no, you can't go to the surface. They're horrible there. Um, that's pretty much the biggest thing on that episode. As for the newest episode, um, I loved the Walt shout-out there. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys thinking that that was a nice nod to Walt Disney. Um, and also with you, I definitely predicted the... Uh, Peddler at the beginning would end up being significant later in the episode. I like that Lily is, in fact, Maleficent's child. 
I figured we weren't going to meet someone significant in Emma's past and have it not come back later, but I wasn't sure how she was going to be important. I like this twist. Um, and overall, this whole season for me so far might be my favorite season. Season one was awesome. Season two, eh, a little bumpy. Season three was really good, but this season has been hitting it out of the park. Tyler again, just to continue my thought I was on. Um, one thing I am curious on, because I know that as we're ending the fourth season and going into hopefully a fifth, we are getting to that time frame where a lot of shows end up kind of you know, getting the bite the bullet cancellation, uh, usually at about five seasons, um, because that's when they can go into syndication on a show. Um, that is why, unfortunately, a lot of my favorite shows from sci-fi in the past got canceled after five years on that network. Um, that's just an unfortunate thing. Hopefully, Once Upon a Time can outdo that five-year rule. Um, but one thing I'm wondering is, how would you guys like to see, if they know ahead of time where their series finale will be, and it's not just a, oh, crap, we thought we were going to get another season and the season finale was the series finale. If they know a series finale is coming, how would you like to see them bring back a lot of the uh, previous guest characters that um, you know we haven't seen in a while? For instance, Ruby, August. Hopefully, he'll stay around for a while now. Um, Sheriff Graham, um, Anna, and Elsa. I, I would love to see them again. Ariel. All these characters that had significant roles in the show, not not necessarily one-off characters. I, you know, a one-off character eh, would be kind of nice, but it's one of those things that, like, um, with my favorite show, Stargate, when it ended, in its final few episodes, they went through and got so many of the um, guest characters that they'd had in the past, or guest races, for that matter, and they brought them back, and it was really nice. Um, same with Stargate Atlantis. It tied even more back and went back to its SG-1 route and had it all brought back to Earth. And I'm just wondering how you guys kind of want to picture that. I know we don't want to picture a series finale in the first place, but, um, you know, how would you feel about, um, you know, if they just brought in a ton of the old characters that we haven't seen in so long for that final episode? I know I would just kind of lose my mind if that happened. So um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, that said, Comic-Con was this last weekend, and it was a blast. Got to meet a lot of cool actors. Sadly, no once upon a time people were there this year, though. Crossing fingers for next year. All right. Have a good week, and I can't wait till the next episode. Uh, I think it's after Easter. That one looks awesome. All right. Talk to you all later. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks. Some good points. I have never seen The Little Mermaid 3. I have so not either. I didn't see I the didn't second see the, one either. Nope. <laughs> so it's interesting the that the storyline was very similar mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. And what would we think about... I would hope that they have an end game in line in, sure. in play. Sure. sure. And it would be nice to see Graham is passed on, from what I understand, 
And I, yeah. I think Mila's gone. I think Neil's gone. I think oh, yeah. Grandma's gone. Yeah. But it would be nice to see Megan back again. Sure. And some sure. of the other Cinderella. characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be nice. Cinderella. Aurora, Mulan. And find out what happened to Cinderella, Cinderella's husband that jumped into the well. Oh, yeah. What the heck? Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, we never did find out what actually happened. No. And you know, some people said, no, he's the frog prince. Well, frog back out, jump back out, and get him back in the story. <laughs> I want to see what happened to these people. Well, we know what happened to him. He ended up in Storybrooke, and they ended up together. But, I mean, we don't know what happened in... You know, in the Enchanted Forest. There there are some some characters that I'm really interested in seeing. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that'd be fun to get them back together and and all that. But um, thanks so much for that. And we have one more voicemail here. Mm -hmm. This is a good one. Here we go. Best laid plans worked well on so many levels, but what it did best was more than consider the differences between heroes and villains or whether magic is light or dark. It is a significant chapter in a much larger, still incomplete, morality play. In this episode, the Charmings assumed that someone as different from them as a mother dragon did not deserve the same pity they would afford a stranger on the road. This is how the good can, out of ignorance, do evil. They serve their own ends at an innocent's expense. The price they continue to pay for this misuse of magic is regret and the loss of their own child's respect and trust. Rumpel, on the other hand, has assumed all along that he could use power to accomplish good, that noble intentions could justify any evil means, no matter how dark the end result. But feeling unlovable fed his childhood pain, and being his own sole arbiter made him cruel. It was inevitable that he would become an infliction and danger to all he loved or loved him. This is the price a dark one pays for abuse of magic. He will destroy everything he wants to accomplish, not just once, but over and over again, while always expecting different results each time. The very definition of insanity. The Charmings are still learning from their mistake and still paying the price that has come between them and Emma. There are, as of this writing, some tantalizing clues that Rumpel may also be on his own path to wisdom, following through on what may prove to be a literal change of heart. In theory, this could indeed portend the most interesting role reversal betwixt Savior and Dark One. The change of rules sought from a renegade author may not lead to the happy ending expected. In the end, it may well be Rumpel, needing Emma's help and or compassion, that causes her to have to consider the same sort of choice that led her parents astray. And it will be Rumpel who will then have to succeed at saving her. Uh, my name is Steph Wilkie, and I'm also known as Mystic Kid. Thank you. Thank you, Steph, Thanks, so much. Yeah. Really interesting points that I oh, yeah. had never thought about before. Yeah. I mean, that's it's true. I mean, everything that was said was very, very true. And, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that he does destroy everything he wants to accomplish, not just once, but over and over and over. But if... Regina, who was the evil queen, completely turned around Mm -hmm. to be a hero that keeps her promise and cares about these heroes Mm -hmm. and becomes a double agent on the other side to help them. Then Emma, who is the savior, who now realizes that her life isn't what she thought it was and her parents have been lying to her. Right. 
why not ditch all that and go to the other side and see the way that is? And on that case, then maybe kind of as Steph is saying is that Rumpel will realize, Gold will realize that he's been wrong all this time mm-hmm. and need help to get back to where he should be for Bell. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And we knew that these good guys had a bad part. And so I think we're going to see that. Yeah. And I think people that we mentioned before on this podcast, if the people that really dis- didn't like Regina being the evil queen now love her. Yeah. I really feel for people that have been, you know, Emma's the savior and good and the hero and all that. This is going to be a bumpy ride. It for could them. very well be so. that. It could very well be, or again, she could choose to not turn evil, even though she has the, you know, maybe the temptation to do so, or what have you. And she may she may stay good and then prove exactly what we've been saying along, that it is all about choices. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the freedom to choose what they want. No amount of magic can force you into doing something you don't want to do if you really put your mind to it. I don't know. We'll and, see. And like Steph said, that doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result is very definite yeah. definition of insanity. It it's really just, is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Steph, for yeah. that. We really appreciate that. And now, very important, we're going to choose yes. our winner. Yes, we will. For the Regal Con three-day general admission ticket. Exciting. So here we go. And I've got the all the folks that have entered, mm-hmm. put them in. There are six of them. And I have gone to a random number generator. I've put in the minimum and maximum number. And now I'm going to click on generate. Here we go. The result is number one. And so now we see that that is Tiara H. The first submission. Submission. Wow. Number one. Very so cool. So congratulations, Tiara. I'm going to let you know via email or however you wanted us to contact mm-hmm. you. Yep. And I believe that you will be t- picking up your ticket at Will Call. Yes. At Regal Con. Yes. So make so. sure that the information you give us is... I believe we need to have first and last name. Yes. So yes, that we, we got can, that. we can, okay, as long as we mm-hmm. have that information, as long as that matches your ID, yes, you're good to go because they will expect to see a match on your ID when you go pick up your, your name. So if there's, if there's something else we need to submit, please let us know. Yep. And what I'll do is I'll put her in contact with uh, Liz and Roxy mm-hmm. so they yes. can communicate and get anything they need to. Perfect. But thank you, everyone who uh, submitted mm-hmm. entries for this contest. Yeah. This is our first contest ever yeah. that we've ever done. Yeah. So congratulations to Tiara and thanks, everyone, for listening. I think we got some new listeners and all the people who entered. We really appreciate it. So. We do. We do indeed. And hopefully we'll see the rest of you there anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what I want to do now is I want to thank everyone who's listened to us, who found us somehow. Maybe you saw a tweet about the contest Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we really appreciate you listening. And we want to send big love out to everybody. We do this at the end of, I think, every episode. We do. And big love is so big that you can't keep it all to yourself. Take what you need. Sometimes you need more. 
Sometimes you need less <laughs> yep. and give the rest on to somebody else because that's, that's what makes life worth living. It's true. And please tweet to us while you're listening. Say, hey, I'm, I'm listening to at O-U-A-T podcast and it's really cool or I won or I didn't win or something, <laughs> something. So anyhow, thank you for that. Please tweet at us. And again, we appreciate all your support monetarily and retweeting and telling your friends and sharing and all this kind of thing. We really appreciate that. So until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying bye-bye. See you later and have a happy Easter, Passover, yes. whatever you're celebrating. That's have right. a great time. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is a Roni's Own Media production. Our website is onceuponatimepodcast.com. You can contact us by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash connect. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time.